What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode, another live AMA here from Meet the Creatives. Uh, my name is Rob Johnson. I'm the Kid Who Makes This Podcast. Uh, tonight, I'm talking with my good friend and mentor. Uh, hello, everyone just jumping in. So good to see so many people coming in. Um, and tonight, I have Justin Genak, the co-founder and the CEO of Working Not Working. Uh, thank you guys so much for submitting your questions. So many awesome, awesome questions came through. And uh, here he is, Mr. Justin Genak. It says connecting. Here he is. He's in. What's up, buddy? What's up, dude? I had a feeling like you'd be like you would be wearing a hood for some reason. I feel like that's kind of like your look. So I made sure that I looked. Yeah, I wanted to look cozy. Let's yeah. do it with hoods the whole time. Oh my god, people are gonna t- tune in and be like, these guys are. Yeah. Well, I was telling Rich yesterday that I, I kind of accidentally made my hair a little bit shorter than anticipated because I I got that quarantine cut. Yeah, but is that uh, where you do it yourself? What's up? Is that when you do it yourself? Yeah, there was a period in my life. Uh, for I don't know if, if you know this. Or not everyone knows this. But by the way, Fat Joe, stop going live. Fat Joe has been going live way too much. Like it's, it's <laughs> a little bit overkill. Uh, I just so love I, you hating on Fat Joe. Oh, I love, people. I love Fat Joe. He's the man. When I was a DJ, I used to do uh, turn the fucking mic on. Mic is on. What's love got to do? This is getting this is this is getting late night throwback. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I love that. Well, first of all, cheers. Yeah, cheers. I tried finding... Cheers, buddy. This is my, my NASCAR. I saw that you kind of got into racing a little bit recently. You had that awesome project. You have the well, working, not working, drinking, not drinking mug, though. That's good. Yeah, we got the... It's the, the koozie action available in the shop. This is this is actually uh, from Days of Thunder. This is the nice. uh, the throwback, yeah. So, and I see you have... Uh, shout out to Shane Griffin uh, behind you. I caught that the the chromatic. Yeah, man. One day I'm gonna get my money right. It's the I'll first one. Right. It's the it's the original. If Shane, if Shane's on here, I'm sure he's gonna give me a hard. Oh time. my god, that's so cool. I've been meaning to reach out to Shane. He probably thinks I'm a terrible friend because I've been kind of reaching out to you and Rich and everybody else. But uh, I definitely want to get him looped in and do one of these one night. So Shane. Well, I think it's good to let him know where he ranks. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. To you. Yeah. You, you're gonna set a high bar tonight. You're gonna set an unattainable goal for him. So. Uh, so for those of you who don't know who live under a rock or maybe not from this area around here, I feel like you're like the, you're like the head of the cool kids, if you will, for the Brooklyn, you know, okay, Brooklyn, that's, that's embarrassing now. I know, I know. People are, see so you say that and then people automatically think I'm a douchebag. Right? And, and in yeah, a way, you up too much. Hear, me, make their own hear me out on this. When I, when I first saw you, I thought that there's no way this guy is not a douchebag. And <laughs> you turned out to be like, one of the nicest, most like in touch with your feelings. And I, I hear my girlfriend laughing way. in the other room now. That's shut up, oh. Ashley. <laughs> Not funny. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, no, but you seriously, you are. Um, you've actually kind of encouraged me, you know, with your your online presence and everything. You um, have been so open on you know sharing your story, on being vulnerable, and doing all that stuff. And it's really inspired me to be a little bit more open and, and with my audience and stuff like that. So awesome. Um, so nice to hear. All right. Uh, Let's get into it. It's going to be really fun. Thank you for doing this. Um, so for those of you who don't know what working, not working is, uh, explain, Justin. Sure. Uh, working, not working is a curated network of the best creatives in the world. So uh, we started, eight, we just had our eighth birthday in January. Wow, and, cool. and for us, like our mission is to eliminate the obstacles between creative people and opportunities. So one of the biggest obstacles, obviously, is getting hired and finding the right creative talent to hire. So we take care of that. People Creators can make a profile with the current freelancer full-time availability. Mm-hmm. Um, c- 
co companies follow them, get notified when they're available for projects and then hire them on there. We don't charge the creators to be a part of the community. And we just charge the companies a, a you know, few hundred bucks a month. Right. But that's like just one thing we do. We try to do a lot, a lot of other things to support the community. So I, we have a multi support group uh, called talking, not talking where we sit around in a circle and talk about the shit we're struggling with. Uh, we've been doing a ton of those in the past two weeks, um, just getting the community together. Our team's been doing like an amazing job. We had yoga today. We had breath work last week. That was so cool. I Thanks. see. This is the problem. This is why I always looked up to you because, like, I always have it in my head. Like, like I'm kind of insecure and sometimes have like imposter syndrome. But sometimes in my head, I'm like, yeah, like, I'm the fucking man. And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm doing as much as I possibly can. And then I look out and people are doing like yoga from working, not working. And I was like, damn it. Yeah, but dude, I have we have shadows, ten people. So. We have ten people. Like that. Obviously, we're going to be able to get a lot more done. <laughs> than one person with a cat yeah. trying to trying to hustle it all and make it well you guys have a great team i, I know uh, amanda and you know and everyone who's, who's there and originally when i first started out in this podcast your your team and the people affiliated with your team um you know uh i think that i think it was you and claire wasserman mm -hmm. and if not for you two and and your kind of like push for me to really go ahead and do this thing and your belief in me i don't know if this would be here i, I mean that sincerely so uh. Thanks, you, sur you surround yourself with the right people. So that's good. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into you're, some Are you trying to make me cry at the beginning of this or are you going to wait to the end? I want tears, Justin. You know, you're the, no, you're it's not that fucking sensitive. hard. My whole team is probably laughing right now. I cry all the time. I cry <laughs> Especially too. like this week because it's just like it's so much about connecting with other people and just realizing how important that is, you know? Right? Exactly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I've been having these kind of like like I've been, uh, I've been like daydreaming about like what would a, a month ago would have been like ordinary life. Like I was thinking about like, man, like I think if I could go see a baseball game right now and know that everyone was going to be safe and it was going to be okay, I think I would cry from the yeah. pure joy of just like everyday life. I think so, that's the thing. You just start to, you start to appreciate things so much more. And I think this is, you know, it sucks and there's a lot of, you know, it's not going to be fun for a little while. Right. Um, it's, could get pretty bad for people, especially people affected personally by it. Right. Um, but there is this natural pause and ability to reset. And it reminded me, and I said this on one of our talking, not talking hangouts the other day is like, I occasionally like once a year, I'll have an issue with my foot, like a tendonitis, plantar fasciitis thing. And right. about two years ago, I remember I was meeting a friend for brunch and it was so fucked up that I could barely walk and I had a cane. And I just saw this like 900 year old couple blow past me on the sidewalk. Oh. And I was just like hobbling along and they were just like, you know, they forgot about you. They, basically they, sprinting. They, they, they yeah. do the people like that all the time. Holding hands. And it was super cute. Um, but the thing is like, Oh, if I was walking my normal speed and would have been fine, I would not have been able to enjoy that couple holding hands being that right. old or, you know, just the, the things that you see when you slow down and you mm -hmm. give yourself a chance to slow down. And then the gratitude I had after when I could finally walk again just made me appreciate, you know. Yeah. So I think we're going to come out of this and there's going to be like a lot of love and celebration just on I, I totally agree. appreciating the little things, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's uh, let's get into it. I appreciate you being, again, again, honest and open. You're the man. But let's get to the questions, what people are here for. Um, okay. So one of the questions that came up yesterday was, who has a better bald head, you or Rich too? Shit. Now, now like, I'm looking one. at myself. I'm, I'm seriously, like, like, beside myself with this. I, I don't know. It's, it's tough to tell. I don't know, man. It just looks so good on Rich. And I've, been, I've gotten a lot of compliments on my head shape, um, mm -hmm. so I'll take that. 
Yeah, that's what um, we come. That's what we come to is that you have a better head shape, but Rich Chu has has a, a a shinier head, and I think that like his teeth, his teeth are like Photoshop. Like yeah, I yeah, have yeah. like pretty good teeth. Like your teeth are like even like a little bit above that. But Rich's <laughs> teeth are like, hi, I'm Rich too, and I'm here from Cold Key. But I I would say that Rich has a better bald head, and you have a better shaped head. I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. All right, moving on. He's a much uh, better breakdancer than me. Yeah, that's true. I know. I asked him about what his neighbors thought about him breakdancing every day this week, and he he oh, says he that they care. haven't complained yet. He's like, yeah, I'm like really quiet, but I feel like that's what everyone who breakdances in their own apartment says. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> moving on. Uh, this question is uh, came in from Instagram. What is a skill a talented designer should have in the next five to ten years? Now let's get into it. Let's let's go deep here, Justin. I want it all. Okay, what's skill? Um, I think I just hear Ashley laughing in the other room on the comments. They're just like <laughs> making their own jokes. My um, wife is in the other room taking notes. By the way, we we are practicing social distancing tonight. So oh, nice. That's good. Not uh, not actually. I just you know. It's, yeah. I just hope this this isn't your date night, is it? No, no, no. We've been no, having we've been having really for two straight weeks now. That's just getting old. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think in the next five to ten years, I, I think people are definitely. It, it's a funny thing because I saw this video uh, with Jack Ma from Alibaba mm -hmm. and he, it said 800 million. There's a study that a research uh, study that says 800 million jobs that currently exist are going to be automated by the year 2030. Right. So that's only 10 years away. Kind of crazy. And granted there'll be new jobs created and new industries and all that, but not nearly as many, but the jobs they predict to survive are the interpersonal ones like therapists and social workers, and then also creative jobs. Mm -hmm. And I don't really worry about the robots taking our jobs um, because the robots would have never invented Spanx. Right. Because they don't know what it's like to be self-conscious or insecure. You know, like one change your outfit makes you feel amazing. And they don't know what it's like to be human. And I think for people to really succeed, they're going to need to be able to connect with each other and really tap into uh, our shared humanity and our shared similarities and and be able to connect on, on that level. And so... Yeah, it's going to get much less surface and a lot more personal. Um, and I think it's people just really having those soft skills of being able to connect with one another and having empathy um, and really um, being able to di differentiate yourself and being able to embrace your uniqueness. Right. Um, because that is going to be your, your selling point is going to be how you uniquely look at the world and the work that you're doing and how, it, how is that so uniquely you that nobody else could do that. Mm -hmm. I think, so I think that, one thing is that being being more human. Um, and I think the other thing is really uh, being a great storyteller um, mm -hmm. and being able to tell that, t tell human stories. And, and also like, you know, I've made a whole career out of personal projects. Um, yeah. And a big reason I put time into personal projects because I got tired of coming up with ideas for, you know, that would make a brand and a holding company millions of dollars. And I'd rather come up with ideas that hopefully someday will make me millions of dollars. Right. And I think the future of advertising, the future of the creative industry is intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And you have more content being created than ever before, more stories being told than ever before. And we have the ability to create those ideas and that content and those stories. And we're giving that IP away. Mm -hmm. And I think the more you can create stuff for yourself, whether it's as a business or an individual, um, the longer shelf life you're going to have because you're going to be able to own those ideas and be able to bring those to life. Absolutely. And I think that like this, this week, and, and again, it's like, it's not taking anything away from the severity of what's happening or, yeah. or the magnitude of, of, of 
of, of the danger here. But if you look at this from, from people in the, in the job market, you know, I always had it where when I was focusing on like, you know, all like these, these outputs and stuff, but then I, I always felt like I was being a little bit too like altruistic and focusing on like human connection and empathy. Like when I met you and Claire, I always just assumed that like everyone had personal projects. I just, I didn't realize I had just met like two ambitious people, luckily right out of the gate. Yeah. But it, it seemed like um, prior to the, this whole um, scenario we're in now, it had seemed like it was like altruistic and it was like self-serving. But now I'm realizing it's like, no, like this is like, this is like a tangible thing that's valuable to other people. And it's sort of like my output. And, you, and I'm sure you have the same thing with working, not working. It's like it, it goes from seeming kind of trivial and dumb to all of a sudden, holy shit, I have like a responsibility did you feel that yeah. this week i don't think you ever go into something thinking like this is going to be amazing or it's going to change people's lives or you know you're like you do it because you're like i have a hunch this is good like solve a problem and, and maybe like working on working to solve the problem for us right it's just like help us find gigs and our friends mm -hmm. to find gigs and then it's grown from there and so like no i never would have imagined like how much people depend on it but the same thing at, at the same time it's like i I'm in a totally different place as a person than I was five years ago mm -hmm. and <clears throat> have tapped into from various sources, therapy, Al-Anon, mm -hmm. um, just being more honest with friends and, you know, um, uh, peers that like, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen your, yeah, it's been incredible. Thanks. And, yeah. and it, I appreciate that. And it's like, I wouldn't have been able to do overshare mm -hmm. five years ago, 10 years ago. I wouldn't have been able to do the talking, not talking support groups right. a few years ago. And so, things start with an intention, but then they evolve. And I, and I think when you bring good people on board too, they help push that. And when you're willing to like get out of your own comfort zone and stop avoiding the things that maybe you avoid that hold you back, it starts to take different directions. So like, I'm super proud of like where it's at now. And also like really proud of like the impacts, even some of the messages we've gotten this week have been unbelievable. Right. Yeah, for sure. That's so cool, man. And I, I think that what you're doing is great. And, um, you know, when I first entered the field, I know my own personal experience. Uh, and part of the reason why I started this podcast, and I'm sure why you started things like Overshare and stuff like that, and t talking, not talking, was because um, our industry, I think, before platforms like this came along was so transactional. It was like, there's a need that needs to be filled. And, and you know, like you would have these relationships with recruiters and you'd be like, oh yeah, you, you can trust me. But there was always like this weird kind of thing. And I think that what you, uh, what you guys built with your product really took a lot of the friction out of that experience and made it so that people can kind of dive headfirst into their own personal projects and just know that, that they could be represented without having to find someone. They just had like a platform for that. So that's really good. Okay, so T Holmes Photography asks, I'm a recent college grad who lives in New York City. This is right up your alley. Uh, what is the best way to find a job in the creative field after changing careers? Oh, that's I guess it depends on what you change. I think it's that, de depends on what you change. Ball. Yeah, I think it's uh, depends on what you uh, change careers to and from. But I think the the constant is just putting yourself out there. Right. Um, it's uh, networking isn't a like networking is lame, um, mm -hmm. but like it's making friends and being there for people and and offering to help. Um, mm -hmm. And that's obviously extremely relevant right now. But I think even in, not in this climate. Um, just saying, Hey, I've got some skills. Um, want to help out if you guys need anything. And I think that's like what got you pretty far. Like when you were first starting, yeah. just putting that out there, like, Hey, I can do this. I can do this. Um, you know, I'm just eager to like help out any way I can. And right. I think that that helps. And then even just when you meet someone going like, Oh, you know, you know who you should meet. 
oh, you, and, and try to introduce people. And right. so it, it does like, it's not an easy thing to do, especially if you're not an extrovert. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that, but sending someone an email saying, hey, this person's really amazing. And, you know, I vouch for them and they're great. Um, and you guys should know each other, whether it's for friendship or something else um, or for work. I, I think being a connector and helping other people connect um, goes a really long way. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that even earlier in my career when I had that um, on my portfolio site, I had the like baby version of working out working, which was, I called it the Justin Genac freelance status apparatus. I forgot a, about that. Yeah, it was just a blinking neon sign that said, Justin is working, Justin's available, Justin's available soon. And then I had like uh, overutilization technology for people to follow my availability. Oh, and I would get, every time I post that I was available to like the 40 or so recruiters that were following me, I'd get two or three job offers within a day. Wow. And any of the jobs I couldn't take, though, email to my art director friends. And I said, you know, hey, this job came in from, you know, BBDO. Is anybody available? I can't take it. And people were like, wow, that's so cool. And I'm like, what do you mean? What's so cool? And they're like, they would share your, like, your, your contacts. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Right. Like, there's enough work to go around. And, you know, I'm not so, like, I'm confident enough in my work that if I go and recommend someone else, I, I'm not worried that they're never going to call me again. Right. Um, and then that just ended up just, like, totally snowballing into like more and more opportunities and people would hit me up first that Justin, I see you're working by your, your little sign or any of your friends available. And so I became the conduit to this group of friends and they right. always hit me up first. And so it was like being in service of others and helping other people out always came back around. And like, we have a, uh, a saying that my dad used to tell me, which I thought was his quote. Your dad and realized, is the fucking man. I got him. He, he seems so much cooler than you. And you're uh, cool. yeah, that's about like your dad is like he's the he's the the OG, you know. Yeah, you're like, you're like was... the diet coke of your dad. <laughs> like the diet coke of my dad. He's he's like off of uh, Instagram and social media for Lent, so like we'll have to save this for him so you can see that. Um, but yeah, when he I needs grew up, to come Wayne, on the podcast, I will have him. Anytime. Wayne was a, a clown and a magician when I was growing up, and he oh, also wow. engineered radio stations and kept wow. them on the air, and he worked at ESPN. And it was a teacher, like, yeah. In, in Connecticut? Uh, yeah, in Connecticut. It was nice. ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. And then if anybody wants to see Wayne in action, just go to my Instagram and my highlights um, is my road trips with my dad. So is uh, that, is that the, the Boston Red Sox connection? Your dad worked at ESPN and you lived in Connecticut? No, well, we, we were in Eastern Connecticut. So basically everyone east of the Connecticut River is generally Boston fans. Right. And west is New York. And so I grew up a Red Sox Celtics. But then New York Giants fan because the Pats sucked and my uncle was a Giants fan. <laughs> Front runner. I'm just kidding. Um, that's so cool. I love it. Uh, next, <laughs> next question is from uh, my cousin Kayla, who is an aspiring uh, journalist. She wants to work in the kind of journalism and stuff like that. And, you know, she's really talented, really creative, and kind of on the hunt for um, a job. She was talking to Rich, too, last night. She was, like, all fired up. But I got a call from my mom this morning. She was like, how the hell? Did Kayla talk to the head of MTV? I was like, <laughs> using the internet, baby. That's um, pretty awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Little does you know how dorky and nerdy Rich is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, well, this will be less exciting. Less exciting for yeah, you. yeah, yeah. This is, again, again. <laughs> so she wants to know, like, you know, getting a job in, like, journalism at a cool kind of a, a place. Um, and and she's, I would say that she's really creative and she is has a lot of ambition, but then it's kind of getting jaded by, you know, the, the constant like rejection and stuff like that, which is understandable. So if you're just starting out, you're just leaving school and you want to get a job in that field, what would your advice be? Start doing it yourself. Right. I think like these media, media or something, right? 
the internet is magic. You can do anything. Mm -hmm. You can get a Squarespace or a Simplice or a WordPress. Tobias Van still never come on the podcast, Tobias. Oh, I love that guy. He's a good dude. First uh, person I ever met, by the way, in the AIGA. I, went, I knew no one, and the first person I met was Tobias. I saw the beard, and that was him. Yes, legendary. See, he uh, is not generic white guy looking. He's like legit. Well, he's, Europe he's European. Yeah, European. And he's got a massive beard guy. and gray hair. Far, yeah. far from generic. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> so I think it's like, just start doing what you want to do. Like, if you want to start doing journalism, it's like, start writing stories, start, um, you know, we have medium, we have you know, blogs, we have so many different outlets to be able to tell those stories. Um, and I think you just, you know, you, you build your, you do the work and you mm -hmm. build up your, your portfolio and your reel and your, um, your resume of the, the work that you're doing. And then you tell the stories you want to tell, tell the stories only you can tell and the things that you're passionate about and just really dive into that and own it. And then um, you'll have more stuff that really represents you. And the thing is you shouldn't be looking for a job. Right. Like you should be doing the work and putting things out into the world that attracts work to you. Um, and if you have to hunt that hard, then you're not doing the right things and laying the groundwork to be able to attract, you know, it's the law of attraction. Um, right. You should be from a point of leverage um, and not be desperately seeking the work. Now, obviously, it's a different climate. There's right. different situations. But I think it really does um, to focus on making your own shit as much as humanly possible and putting it out in the world and not giving a fuck what anybody thinks about it. Mm -hmm. um, and just keep work at getting better. Put it in front of people who you respect. Ask them for feedback. And just keep doing that. Then good things will come. You don't have to go. And, like, I just think if you're spending all your time submitting resumes and job applications, then – you maybe should shift your shift your focus a little bit, right? And start start making the work that you want to be making. And sometimes I think that just kind of like over applying it is sort of like a manifestation of the ego. Like there have been periods in my life where I've just applied and applied and applied because I was I didn't want to look. I didn't want to take a hard look at my portfolio. Actually, as a matter of fact, I remember this is. I think. Are we going to talk about yeah? What yeah, I told you? Yeah, yeah. Year. Uh, this is about three and a half. Okay, so this all ties in together. So. Uh, Working, not working, and BuzzFeed Product Labs used to share an office together. By the way, I love BuzzFeed Product Labs, and I totally deserved to get let go because I sucked at graphic design back then. And <laughs> I, I credit him all the time on, on this podcast. I've brought it up multiple times. Varesh Chopra, uh, who's amazing. I love him to this day. Um, he kind of, between his feedback and your feedback, I basically was given essentially this advice, which was that, it's cool to put it on your resume that you work at BuzzFeed. It's cool to like have it that you're applying to these places. But there needs to like, if you want to be somebody who is like an essential part of a team, a designer, whatever it is, you need to have like the real tangible outputs and the real skill set. I think Varesh one time told me that um, that if you worked at McDonald's and you couldn't make a cheeseburger they wouldn't stop making cheeseburgers. They would just go find somebody else to go to go make the cheeseburger, yeah. which is which is fucking brutal. That's but pretty brutal. It's, but it's true though, and it's true. And I think a lot of times, like when I get people that reach out, like for this podcast, and they're like, "Oh, I can't get a job there." Like, why can't I get a job there? It's because you're allocating all of your time, and this is my experience, and this mm -hmm. is like what I kind of learned from you and Baresh and my time at you know BuzzFeed and working alongside of you guys was, is that like. If you're kind of just like doing it for like the flex on your LinkedIn, you're not really going to have like a career out of that. Like the best thing you could do is like go home, 
get a credit card, like lose a little bit of money for a while, go on YouTube and figure out how to do this stuff. Learn I remember exactly what I told you because I was like, you're clearly capable of executing things. Uh, no, 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 no. First off, what you said was even ruder and more mean than what Varesh said. I think I, think I initially said, me, do you want honest feedback? I said, no, no, no. I said I wanted honest feedback. And you told me that all I gather from your portfolio is that you have decent taste and color and a select group of good typefaces on your computer. And that's a bad That's what I said? You said that, oh. yeah. That's good. That's real. That's real. And you, and you were right, though. No. Th that's I what I started saying. And then I said, you clearly can execute, but right. you need a point of view. Yeah. And I think you don't really understand w what you're interested in yet because you weren't showing any sport sort of specific direction in your portfolio. You had really good illustrator comps. You had really good billboards. Yeah, yeah I was obsessed but, with, like, live surface. I was putting, yeah. I was putting shitty sub subpar design in great and like half yeah. decent mock-ups. But it wasn't even, your design wasn't that bad. It just didn't have a point of view. And so what, and, and this is good advice for anybody that's trying to figure it out. I said, go and take every Skillshare from every designer you can, you admire. And like, go take a John Contino Skillshare and a Jessica Hish Skillshare. And, and I just had the CEO Skillshare. of Skillshare on my podcast, Justin. Hell yeah, dude. Get it. That's awesome. So, that's but, but I was like, I'm just try kidding, all of that stuff, <laughs> try all of that stuff and see what you actually enjoy and then start making stuff and figure out what your point of view and your voice is. Right. And then you'll start being able to find work because it was just like, it was just execution and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't heart. And I think right. like you, you have a lot of heart and that was not coming through in your portfolio at all. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty harsh with feedback because I don't think, I don't think it does anyone good to waste their time blowing smoke up their ass. And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think and, and what everyone else is going to think. Wait, Ashley and, wants and to I add it. I respect you and Varesh almost <laughs> almost more than anyone in this entire industry. Because Thanks, man. Of those. And, I, and I quote that and I talk about it on the podcast. Um, same thing, like when I went into Collins, like they're like, yeah, we'll have you in for an interview. And I walked in and like Leela Massmeyer was like, hey, Rob, like, what are you doing here? And I was like, yeah. oh, like, I'm here for the internship program. And he was just like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's sit down. Let's sit down yeah. and look over it. And I realized like how far I had to go. But if you're yeah. in that moment and you're just leaving school and you're going, holy fuck, I suck at design. What, whether you choose to go the path of like self-pity or the path of like, well, okay, like well, I now have to start up the mountain, you know? Let's take a step back because I think people face that issue at different points in their career. Right. Where they don't want to hear feedback. They've been doing this for 10 years or 15 years and they know how to do it and aren't willing to keep pushing themselves and keep reinventing themselves to like stay relevant like you mm -hmm. got to keep madonnaing the shit out of your career mm -hmm. and keep evolving and changing and if you're not doing that then nothing is gonna like you're gonna slowly fade away yeah for sure and i i think also too it's like now that i'm in this position you know it, it was always told to me by guys that were like a little bit older or you know people that were my seniors who had lived through the 2008 you know the financial crisis 2008 right financial crisis yeah yeah, to, who had lived through that, they were saying it's like, you know, you look around at these big companies like Facebook, Instagram, and all these different places like that. And there's a lot of people here. And there's a lot of money here. But if the shit were to hit the fan, the only people who would survive would be the people who are like the scrappiest, the people who can do photography and design and all this different stuff. Like, those are the people that are real, that are really the backbone of creative companies. And if Going, you're kind of just somebody yeah. who's good at manipulating people, you're not really going to get that far in a time where there's not 
no. economic. You well, know. And that, that's the difference too when, when the industry is going more towards freelance. Mm -hmm. Like people used to have to put up with your bullshit because mm -hmm. you were their boss at their full-time job. Right. And as soon as you like freelance becomes career purgatory. Mm -hmm. And if you're a good, like all talent being equal, if you're a good per person in your previous life, you're going to do great freelancing because people want to help you out and want to hire you. If you are a fucking asshole and treated people like shit, people can decide not to work with you anymore. And I've had creative friends go, yeah, this, I'm really annoyed with the fact that you started working out working. And I'm like, why? They're like, because I only got hired because I was the only person that they knew that was available. Right. And now they're going to have options and they're not going to hire me because I'm a dick. Right. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to stop being a dick. And he's like, yeah, I, I really am. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's the case even more and more. It's just like, we don't have to put up with bullshit. You don't have to deal with assholes or misogynists or like just people who like are not good to be around. And I think that's another thing. If you're starting off your career, be really good because it's a small industry. And like, if you come in with an ego, like that stays with you. Like I've had people interview at jobs and they'll be like, Oh, someone said I worked with that person two jobs ago. And they took, try to steal all the credit or they were a total asshole to everybody, whatever it was. Right. And you're like, they didn't get hired. Um, yeah. And so like, don't be an asshole uh, is like, could not be like more important than anything else. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel really fortunate. I know there's a lot of assholes in this industry and I feel really fortunate. I feel like I know all the nice people. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Um, yeah. that's, that's why like when I, when I met like you and Claire and, and, and then kind of like down the, the route, you know, and then it was like Brian and Lee and, and kind of just like spiraled from there. Um, yeah. I, I think also too, like, and I, I've talked about this so much in the podcast and, um, you know, I recently talked to, this feels like I'm name dropping here, but it's just like what I'm talking about. Here. If but you like, name drop, I'm walking away. I was talking to Chase Jarvis the other day and, uh, <laughs> no, but listen, we were, we were, uh, I was saying to him, I said, you know, I watch your college show and it's great. And I, and I want to have something like that one day. And, um, but it really seems weird because like, you seem sometimes like when they're in the middle of talking, you're just like shaking your head the whole time and you're thinking to yourself like, yep, yep, I know, I got this. And I said, does it irritate you that for the most part, creatives are kind of just like asking like the same questions over and over again? But then he said, it's actually a good thing because it just shows it's like, there are these basic core tenets of like, be kind, be humble, work hard, don't make excuses. And, there, and it's like, there's different stories and everyone's own path is different. But at the end of the day, the core tenets of what makes a great creative are all kind of the same thing. It's mm -hmm. be humble, work harder than anybody else, be disciplined and don't make bullshit excuses. And you're bound to have a great career or, or at least, you know, succeed momentarily yeah. in the things that you want. Or you won't get in your own way, at least. Right, exactly. You know, and so I think that's like, it, and also like, sometimes people hear this stuff and they're not ready to hear it. And they're at a point in their life or their career where it's like, you know, other things are getting in the way and clouding their focus. And, you know, sometimes, you know, 10 years later, you're like, oh, I really should have listened to that advice. Um, but you evolve and you grow and you learn from that shit. I didn't really listen to Varesh's advice, honestly, for like, uh, probably like two, two, it was not yet like two years before I really was like, and I went out and got an, 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 against his advice and like went out and was like, well, I got fucking bills to pay. So I have to have yeah. it on my record. I have to go work at AT&T. Well, you just think about like what investing in yourself would have turned out to be a multiple. If you took that time, yeah. you know, even if it's a month, two months, three months, made your book that much better. And then you can get more jobs, charge a little bit higher of a rate and then, you know, get that real work coming in that would then start to like level you up. You yeah. Know? So you I got, everyone's got to like take the time, especially now. 
what a fucking gift to have all this time to invest in Let's yourself. Let's talk about this because I'm so happy you brought that up and I will blame you if, it, if our careers are canceled because of this, but I will blame you for bringing this up. <laughs> Dude, 100% facts. And like, I'm, just, I'm gonna talk about this like straight up. I understand the magnitude of the situation. I have the utmost respect for everyone who's involved in it. I really am concerned about my health and well-being of my family and all this different stuff, okay? I've covered all my bases. That being said, the creative industry has a lot of, and again, also to you on top of this, I wanna preface all this by saying, if you just lost your job, I feel, <clears throat> I feel, I feel terrible for you. I know that this is jarring and really has. It's temporary. Fucked up a lot of people's life. It's temporary, number one. And if you have, and if you want to know about getting fired, come talk to your boy. Can, can I just say one second? I thought yes. the financial crisis, I had only been, uh, 2008 happened. I'd only been freelancing for a year. I thought I was going to be totally fucked. And what ended up happening is, yes, there was a lull for a few months. And then a lot of people got laid off. And then they had nobody to do the work and they, it was the best time ever to be freelancing because they need people to do the pitches and they need people to do the work. And the thing that we do is not going away and the work is still there and there's more content being created than ever and more shit to advertise than ever. And so like use this time to like stockpile your, your revamp your website, add a couple of personal projects and get ready for when the, the hiring spree happens and just be waiting at that starting line because like the shit's going to come and it's going to be really good. And like, you know, this sucks right now. We got to weather it, but it's going to be like, I promise yeah. it's going to be really fucking uh, pre pretty. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity that's going to happen. Perfect example of a company that did that. The 2008 financial crisis was, was just before or just like right after was when Collins was founded with, with Lee Mashmeyer mm -hmm. and Brian yeah. Collins. And they, after that time, and this is like, that, so this is all happening like while I'm in college. And when I graduated from college, the hottest agency at the time, you know, and still on the, the 50 uh, places where you want to work and for working at working, they're on that list alongside mm -hmm. of Apple, right alongside of Google. That company was founded during, the, during or right after, forgive me for not knowing, the 2008 financial crisis. And yeah. one of the reasons of their success was is that they were like balls to the wall going for it with no excuses. And they were in a shitty economy. People weren't spending money. But when they, but when they did spend money, they knew who to go to because they had sourced the best creatives in the world. And, and they, they want to spend their money smartly. And I think right. you, want to, you want to go to people that you know can get the job done. So like spend all your time now. Yeah. setting yourself up to prove that you can get the job done oh and yeah it's like, so that's what i was gonna say it's like yeah. it's like everyone's been bitching for years and years oh i can't paint oh i can't do my side project oh i have no time like what's your fucking excuse now there's none there's no excuse yeah and if and it, you know i understand it's going to take a long time but if in two years from now like you're going to be the one that well you know covid 19 came along and that's why i can't become a no one's going to believe you and no one's going to care yeah. this is the time and like, everyone like we as creative people, we thrive with constraints. And so this is a, an opportunity to go like, all right, how do I create within this box? Like, I'm curious to see what happens if, if this happens. Uh, oh, Bianca just said Instagram, Uber and Airbnb all came out of the 2008 crisis. Thank you. Or two. Um, and if, uh, Shout out Dion Bias. Sorry. Um, and so, um, you know, this is the time, like, you know, put us in boxes and literal boxes are apartments and houses. And what happens if this is prolonged, if this goes on more than a few weeks or a month, there's still stuff that's going to be needs to be marketed to be sold, all of this stuff. And what happens when we can't go on shoots anymore? We can't, can't go on set. This is going to be like, could be a heyday for animators and mm -hmm. for illustrators who are adept at creating their own worlds. And mm -hmm. so, or are we going to have this whole thing of like, 
very makeshift made from home. What can I make on my kitchen table? Right. Or on my living room floor. Or I'm making amazing shit on my living room floor. And then you, you know, show the behind the scenes and you're like, holy shit, they did that with like no money and in a hundred square foot space. And right. it's like, yeah, that's when the shit becomes impressive. So mm -hmm. like, look at your constraints and go like, how can I use this disadvantage to my advantage? And then people will be like, really impressed that you like, you know, had all of these things working against you and still made something amazing. So yeah, I just think like, this is forcing us to be even more creative. And I, I think, uh, to every now and then we need to not be so comfortable and not take things for granted and like we have to hit a reset and start making some shit again. And exactly. I, I think some great things can happen. And, and even just the, the therapeutic angle of it. I mean, like, you know, like, I'm never more happy than I am just like opening up Photoshop using Kyle Webster brushes and just like making streaks of, you know, pretending that one day I'll be like the next Debbie Curry. It'll probably never happen. <laughs> but in my mind, though, I'm like, yo, like this, this could be it this time. Or is, you just enjoy playing in the process. And that's a nice release. Yeah, like the playing in the sandbox. Right, right, right. Well, I've been kind of like going out in like the woods behind my house and kind of just like out there. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. I kind of feel like I'm like a five year old, right? I just like, hang I, I really seriously, I'm like thinking about like, ordering some cars on eBay, like some like bulldozers and stuff like that. And just like low key finding a space in the woods and then just like setting it up and just playing outside again. I'm thinking about just like putting my career aside and just doing that. I know that's <laughs> um, my buddy Dustin, who I went to Rampo College with speaking of scrappy. Uh, and this kind of actually reminds me a little bit of like being stuck on campus. Like we were always stuck on campus. We never had any money. Like there, yeah. was, there was a period in my life where I wasn't going to the city all the time. And I was kind of just like working with what I got the cameras sucked. We had like, we were shooting with like T3 rebel cameras with like, you know, yeah. like a broken lens. Or, but we I made, still have one of those. Yeah. Right, exactly. And we, but we made, Fat Joe is live again. Fuck you, Fat Joe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my, my friend Justin, he um, is doing wedding and uh, wedding videography. He's really talented. He is really into disc golf. He's like, He's exactly what you would picture when you would picture like like an athletic kid from Jersey, like into okay. di really into disc golf, completely like all he, he does like three sit ups and he's like shredded. It's so annoying, honestly. I'm really envious of him for that. <laughs> but uh, you know, he's doing these wedding gigs and doing small freelance projects, but he's looking to kind of like level up, and he kind of is in this feeling where like he wants to one day work for big companies like Google and stuff like that. And I know that you yourself have worked with great companies like that, but also working that working is um, making these collaborations with big companies like Nike and Google and Facebook yeah. and all that shit. So how do you make that jump from, from doing, I, I guess it's probably back to your point before, but you know, if you want to get involved in commercial work, but don't yet have commercial work. So you have a decent portfolio, you can show your skill set, but you have not landed that first like commercial so project. the one way to do it is to go and start making shit on your own right so you go and right. shoot your own short films or you go and shoot uh, i'm getting a beer stand by keep talking to you. Uh, wait wait i want to do a beer. i'll take get a beer when you ask me the next question um can you grab me one yeah um so if you um yeah you can go out and start making stuff and shooting your own films and all that but uh that's one way to start doing it but then at the same time go and get an internship or get a PA job and work on set because like, that's how you get, get around the people making the stuff you want to make. And it yep. might be the eat a shit sandwich job, mm -hmm. uh, but eat the shit sandwich and get to be really great to work with. Don't be an asshole. Mm -hmm. Be super helpful. Be overly ambitious. 
uh, be enthusiastic, have passion and give a shit. And then like people will want to help you. And then you go and get like a little bit better job on with that crew. And then you keep getting better jobs and better jobs. And then, you know, eventually you go and be like a, you know, DP or something. And if you want to make excuses, you're like, oh, Justin, that'll never work. It'll take too long. I have ambitions. Go listen to the episode with Cesar Lopez, who is now the head of social media and content strategy for the X Games at ESPN. By the way, shout out ESPN. Shout out your dad. But he was... He's not there anymore. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. He worked for the... uh, He worked, I think, originally, like, I think it was, like, with the NFL and just got... And, he, and you know what it was? It was like, and I love this story so much. It's one of my favorite stories ever told in the podcast. He, it was kind of like, you know, like you always see like those memes, like do whatever your job is, like be the best at that job. He was like, yo, he was like, I would be getting, like people would be like, half their coffee would be like half directors. Like they'd have like half a coffee. I'd fill up their coffee. I'd like start their car. I do everything. And everyone's like, oh, bro, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're such a suck up. Like, dude, these people don't care about you. These people don't like, like, who would ever want to have that job? And he was the best at his job. And like, there was one day, like somebody got fucked up. Somebody like didn't show up for work. And they're like, hey, kid, like, grab that camera. It's not exactly like how it went down. But that's basically the gist of what it was. Well, we all had, you know, it's easy to go and see people talking on an Instagram live or on a podcast or on stage at a conference or look at their Instagram. Right. You're like, oh my God, they're doing amazing shit and all that. And it's like, you're skipping to like the middle of the book. Right. It's like, we all started with fucking awful jobs. I got fired from my first internship and I was terrible at my second internship. I got fired on the second day of my internship uh, in like my junior year of college. So it's like, because I showed up four hours late, two hours late, whatever. And it's just like, nobody just jumps to like instant success. And so it's like, get the fuck over yourself and go do the hard work and be good to people. And it'll pay off. Um, It just takes time. Like everyone wants to jump ahead, you know, and it's like, it it gets frustrating when people are like, oh, you got it so easy. And it's like, no, like when I was in college, I didn't like I was saying, you said I I wasn't going out. I couldn't afford to go to like the bars with my friends. Um, The definition of success for me when I was a, you know, sophomore or junior at SBA was I will know I'm successful when I can walk down the street and I'm hungry and I can go in and get a sandwich at a deli. Wow. Like that was like my definition of success because I was eating fucking Uncle Ben's minute rice with cream of mushroom Campbell's soup like four to five nights a week. And it was just like- That's so New England like, of you. That is such a New England move. I caught, I caught that. That's so- <laughs> And then, but then I'm like- It's such oh, a hearty New England thing. Like, I'll like, know I'm wealthy when, yeah. you know those froze fruit bars? Yes. Like they're- they have banana ones, which yeah. are my favorites, but they're really hard to find. Right. Uh, if I can always have banana froze fruit in my freezer, I'll know I'm wealthy. Wow. Like that was like, that was, that's all I was aiming for. And so it's just like, yeah, I think you just got to do the work and, uh, you know, just make shit happen and, and go and just work hard. That's fucking and amazing. don't make excuses. Like, cause like making progress takes the same amount of time as making excuses. Exactly. Like you could be making excuses why you don't have something, or you can take that, like, you know, idea you had for a project and go and register the handle on Instagram or go and buy the URL or sketch out a logo or do like one little step to help make that happen. And then you're making progress instead of just like kind of bullshitting yourself. Right. Okay. This one, uh, how much of the deciding factor is it when it comes to the number of years of experience? I know people that have worked their entire lives. I'll answer this for Justin and tell me if you agree. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the number of years has like nothing to do. I mean, it, it does to an extent. 
for like C-level positions, they're going to want to see for like, you know, if you're going to become like the chief design officer at Facebook, like you're, they're going to want to see some years and some time. Yeah. And there are differences between like a senior designer and like a regular designer. But uh, there's a lot of people who have worked their entire careers and they suck as designers. So I, I don't fully subscribe to like, someone's been in this industry for a long time. Like they may be in this industry for 20 years and haven't picked up a book in 19 of them, you know? Yeah. So. I think it's all about the work. And, uh, and when it comes to, yes, you need to have some experience managing people, um, especially with some of those roles. So you have to get that in. Um, it's amazing though how many people don't check references, um, which they should. Mm -hmm. I just know a lot of people who've gotten hired for big roles that were not qualified for them. Um, and it's just like, man, if you just would have called someone who worked with them, they could have told you. Right, that. right, right. Cause it's so, it's so expensive to make the wrong hire because you spend all the time looking for someone, you bring them in and then it takes you a few months to figure out that they're not right. And then like six right. months to get rid of them. Then you got to start that search all over again. It's so like, it's why we advocate for hiring freelancers. You yeah. go and try before you buy for both sides of the equation. And oh, like make but it sucks that. though when you get bounced so quick, you're like super stoked and you like take a picture with a mug and it's like in your Instagram story. And then it's like, you just get bounced. Like, yeah, like just take your, take your shit and get out. It's basically like the vibe. Yeah. So, but, well, that's, just, but again, that's why you gotta be good. No one, no one cares. No one feels bad. I was so beside myself when I worked at huge and like, it didn't work out. I was like, what the fuck? I hate everything. I sucked. I suck. I get the project and the brief that they gave me. I was not, if I take my ego out of it, yeah. I was not delivering on it. And if they're a smart company, they're gonna, yeah. they're gonna take care of it. They're going to find someone else to make the change. Right, and they're going to do it quick. They're not going to wait two months if, if like, you're not even, like, meeting, like, the minimum requirements. Again, yeah. nobody likes excuses. It sucks getting fired. But it's kind of romantic, though, to, like, take your last $10 and get halal and just, you know, like, cry in Penn Station, you know? Like, you're a little bit extra nice to the lady who works at Annie, at Annie Ann's as you get your pretzel, you know? Oh, I love those. Like, that's the only reason to go to uh, Penn Station. Yes. Oh, wait, here's a question. Okay. Hey, what's up, Jacob? Uh, we got Miguel. We got so many good people on this. I know. So nice. So, like, uh, okay, this is Alania Thomas. I graduated from a university in South Carolina, but only bigger cities respond to my applications. I don't know if I should look into big cities or smaller cities. Uh, well, you can work. I guess it depends on what you do, but, like, a lot of times you can work remotely um, and get projects from bigger cities in smaller cities and then be balling like a motherfucker. Yeah. Because uh, you're making big city rates in a small city. Yeah, um, that's the move, baby. Living out in Chattanooga or somewhere like that, dude. That is the move. If my wife was not a teacher in Jersey, I would do it. Yeah, <laughs> they, they have teachers there too. I would live uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'd be getting a New York City size check, and it would be amazing. And I'd be it's, watching the It's the move if you can get it, but I think people like I, I, I've talked to a lot of people in smaller cities, and they like you know feel like oh, if I don't work in a big city, it doesn't matter. It's like it doesn't fucking matter. You can do great work anywhere. Mm -hmm. Go somewhere where you really like the people. And you want to spend every day working with them, making great shit. And if you feel like you can be in a position that makes some of the best work of your career uh, with good people, then like jump, jump all over that um, because it's not easy to find. Um, and so if you can find that cool. And if you have aspirations of going to a bigger city, then you can find that there too. But just don't, uh, you know, don't, don't worry about it. I'm a junior graphic designer. Cool. Perfect. Um, yeah. You can do that from anywhere, but you know, take, take, take whatever jobs you can get. And if you and really South want to Carolina live this. is awesome. The South is amazing. I think that yeah. the, in the coming years that the, the South, like, in the same way, like, it was, like, New York, like, to use, like, a, like, an anal like a music analogy, like, it was all about, like, New it was all about New York and West Coast rap until Pharrell came along. 
and Missy yeah. Elliott came along. Like, oh, Virginia Beach. Yeah, Virginia, yeah, Virginia Beach. Oh, I love Virginia Beach. I miss Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach is so cool because you can be on the beach and then like all of a sudden an F-16 will just fly over the, the beach and it's so badass. Especially if you're just like wasted. It's just like, it's the most American shit ever, bro. I'm going to tell everybody to follow Jacob Jonas, the company that just commented. Uh, they have to check. J Jacob's amazing, uh, an incredible dancer, and uh, runs this dance troupe in LA, which I've told him several times that I'm pissed every time I see something they post that uh, I don't live in LA or they're not in New York, but they do really incredible modern dance. Uh, they've been working with Kanye on some stuff. Uh, they do like dance uh, inspired by TED Talks about the educational system. Like they're just doing some really brilliant stuff and I can't wait to be able to leave my house and go to LA and see some Open invites come on the podcast. I'll, I'll have you, it'll be a race to see who whose podcast is on first me, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got to do this. This has been amazing, dude. This has been so much fun. Baby